But good morning, guys. I'm really excited to get to share with you this morning about one of my favorite things, which is kids. And so I want to start with, from a young age, we are all asked what we want to be when we grow up, right? We begin to consider how we might make a difference and how we might do something great with our lives. We have these lofty ideas of being doctors, teachers, firefighters, astronauts, or the president. One of the first times I was asked what I want to be when I grow up, I said I wanted to be a Cincinnati Bengals cheerleader. I thought that sounded like greatness. We all have different ideas about what our lives look like, how we might impact the world around us as we strive to achieve our own definition of success. Our American culture defines success and greatness as power, position, millions of likes, a huge house, perfect, ageless skin, increasing your notoriety, building your brand, and having a massive circle of influence. But how Jesus defines greatness in the kingdom of God is surrendering your life to people with no influence, no media presence, no money of their own, no power, and zero influence. And we can be quick to shake our fists at how our culture gets it wrong, but let's take a look with Bible in hand What's inside each of us? Experiencing the kingdom of God and sharing that kingdom with others starts with getting in touch with how our own values might match up with those of our society more than we'd like to admit. We need to address our own biases about greatness and what we might be gripping onto that is keeping us from experiencing the kingdom of God and getting in the way of sharing that kingdom with other people. Today, as we continue our series in the book of Mark, we come upon a scene where Jesus tells us who the kingdom of God belongs to. Jesus is teaching those around him that those that are last will be the ones to inherit this kingdom. He teaches and demonstrates that the lowest The bottom of the food chain, the least and the last, have incredible value and are honored in the kingdom of God. The passage today is where we find Jesus inviting kids to come to him. From the folks in this passage, we can learn to come to grips with our own need for control, lack of trust, and excuses. We'll learn that there are things that we hold on to and don't trust God with that might be keeping us from really living a fully surrendered life. Today, let's take stock of what matters most to us, of what we're holding back, of what biases we might be asked to address so we can more fully experience God's power and presence in our lives. If you'd like to open your Bible, today we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 10. It's just a few verses. It's verses 13 to 16. But before we read, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you're always in our midst. That whether we're aware of it or not, 
you are at work. And so God, today I pray that all of us could do some internal work. That we would pay attention to maybe the things that are making our hearts race, maybe that are frustrating us, maybe we feel like our mail just caught red. And God, I pray that all of us would be transformed a little bit more into the humans who you say that we are instead of who we might think we actually are. Help align what you see more with what we see. Amen. All right, we are going to start with reading Mark 10. I'm going to start in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So let's start by taking a look at the parents. What we see is these parents trust God with what matters most. The kids in this passage were probably under the age of six. I don't know if you've spent much time around young kids. I have. And you can imagine how long they'd listen to someone talk, let alone about the super serious, important grown-up subject of divorce that Jesus was just discussing in the passage right before this. As he's talking, I imagine Jesus watching the kids in the crowd that are looking up at him, and maybe he sees them playing in the dirt, chasing a lizard, picking flowers, maybe waving at him, and he gets a smirk on his face as he sees these kids doing exactly what they're designed to do. Maybe the parents notice Jesus' kind gaze on their kids. Something about him made them take notice. Something made them want to bring their kids to him to be blessed by him. What was it? You could say it's because that's what people did back then, bring their child to receive a blessing from a rabbi. And yes, that's true, but that was normally done in a synagogue. Jesus was a traveling rabbi. What about Jesus made them bypass the synagogue? Maybe it was a whisper in their hearts. Maybe it was a grin on his face. But these parents knew Jesus was a perfectly safe place to be because through him, God met real human needs. What they saw in Jesus was the living and available presence of God. Wherever he went, Jesus welcomed people into God's incredibly secure presence. Think about it for a second. What are the things in your life that you treasure the most? What are you afraid to bring to God because you don't know what he might do or what he might ask of you? Maybe it's a relationship and you're afraid if you actually talk with God about it, he'll ask you to let it go. Maybe it's an unhealthy habit or addiction, 
And while you're tired of being tortured by this habit, you're also afraid to lose it because you've invested so much of yourself into this thing that you're scared of what it would look like if it was really gone. Maybe it's your kids and you're afraid that if you actually ask God what he has planned for them, you'll have to release your death grip of control over their lives. Maybe as a form of self-protection, you don't actually know what you care most about. When someone asks you what you need prayer for, is your standard response, I don't know. Jesus, God in the flesh, blessed these children. What if it's also his intention to bless us in the areas of our lives that concern us the most? What if he wants to bless the things and the humans we hold closest to our hearts? And what if our fear of losing something we think we need is actually getting in the way of us receiving God's blessing? So back to the scene, the parents bring their kids towards Jesus and they're stopped. Because like the disciples, sometimes we get it wrong. The disciples step in front of these parents, essentially saying, Jesus is talking about super important grown-up things right now. What in the world are you doing bringing your children to him? And I'm sure the disciples didn't mean any harm here. They were following Jesus and learning from him all the time. Sometimes learning means we misstep. We learn from what we do right, and we also learn from what we do wrong. Like the disciples, the way we live our lives and interact with people does not always point them towards the kingdom of God. I wonder if any of us have, even this past week, lived our lives in a way that didn't point others towards the love of God. Like in the way we drive, in our comments online, in the way we interacted with the customer service rep on the phone, or how we responded when we were unexpectedly interrupted. Sometimes we look at kids as a hassle, an inconvenience, and a nuisance. Just over a decade ago, this church met in a different building on the east side of town, and kids would do what kids do there. They'd run around outside in the yard, skidding, giggling, playing tag, creating ruts and marks, and causing dirt to fly everywhere. And folks would come to Michael, our senior pastor, and say, you need to get those kids off the grass. They're destroying it. And I love how Michael responded. He said, I'm happy to resod this lawn every year if necessary. I'd rather do that than ask the kids to stop being kids. I want them to enjoy being here. Come on, friends. Aren't kids more important? Aren't humans more important than our yards? How might we miss the importance of kids having access to Jesus just like the disciples did? When we ignore the kid and only talk to the parent, 
when we fume as a child gets in front of us in the checkout line because they are playing a game and don't realize that we're just in a hurry to get out of there. When our anxiety gets the best of us and we make all kinds of excuses about why we can't spend time with children. And truthfully, folks, it's amazing how this has gotten magnified even more during the pandemic. Our excuses are even bigger. Parents and guardians, we can miss this at home too. How do we prioritize spiritual growth in our own families? Statistically speaking, the biggest influence on the spiritual health of a child is not the church or school or clubs or sports or activities. It's us parents. And let me add, a lot is caught. So while we might not be intentionally training our kids, they are watching us and they're learning something. We spend so much time running from activity to activity to teach our kids what the Bible says and what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis takes time, margin, interruptibility, and planning. Eight years ago, I was invited onto staff at this church and I thought they got it wrong. You see, I met with Casey, who's one of our pastors here, and she shared this beautiful vision for Vineyard Kids Ministry and asked if I'd like to be a part of it. And I laughed inside. <laughs> At the time, I had a two-year-old of my own, and I like, loved my niece and nephew, but otherwise, I didn't want anything to do with kids. I was not a kid's person. Casey, in the kind and loving way that she does, asked me to take a few days to pray and think about it, and so I did. In those next few days, I had to begin confronting my own brokenness and how I viewed kids as less than and brushed them aside, and how I judged kids' pastors as fake and over the top. I had to get in touch with how I'd gotten it so very wrong. And as I watched God soften my heart, I was asked to step into a role I wouldn't have even considered days before. I said yes to this job out of obedience and watched my heart follow. God shifted what I wanted and asked me to step into the work he was doing through this church. Casey saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself and that gave me an opportunity to explore being who God made me to be in ways I wasn't expecting. So often our default response when we're invited into something is to hold it at arm's length and say no. The next time someone invites us to participate in something at work or at our kids' school or at dinner with a friend or at church, what if we pause and see if God might be inviting us into something. What if others can see something in us that we can't see on our own? What if our default was no longer, I have to protect myself, but instead, God, I'll do whatever you're asking me to do because I trust that that's actually the best thing. 
Or let's look at this another way. Who are the people around us that we sweep aside? Maybe it's a young child who is out of control and whose parent just needs to get it together. Or the neighbor who is so disrespectful and inconsiderate and who won't turn down that music late at night no matter how many times and ways we ask. Maybe it's the person standing on the side of the road asking for money or food and you think if they just got off their lazy behind and got a job already. Or the new employee at Target and you could obviously do their job better than them or the person of color you believe has as many opportunities as you and needs to stop complaining because your life is actually way more difficult than theirs. If we intentionally recognize that each human is created in the image of God, it would impact every interaction we had with each other. When we spend time with other humans, whether they're being kind to us or throwing up the middle finger at us, we still get to decide for ourselves whether we bring the kingdom of God or not. And when we do, we get to offer the gift of grace, patience, kindness, forgiveness, unconditional love, and acceptance. Like the disciples, there will be so many times we get it wrong. And there is always another chance to grow Learn and try again. So continuing on in the passage, when the disciples keep the kids from Jesus, Jesus responds. Jesus gets really mad. We don't often picture Jesus getting mad. Another time we see him really angry is when he flips over the money changer's table in the temple. And in that case and in this case, Jesus is mad at those who are keeping people from experiencing the love, power, and presence of God. And in our passage today, Jesus' anger may have been magnified by the fact that he'd had a similar conversation with his friends just a few days before. The disciples were fighting with each other about who among them was the greatest. And so Jesus took this opportunity to explain an important piece of the kingdom of God in Mark 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. To show what it means to be the very last, he brings the societal last, a child, in among them. Jesus then goes on to say in Mark 9, 37, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. His disciples are so concerned with their own idea of greatness that they are getting in the way of people coming to Christ. I wonder how we might still do that today. How do we get in the way? When we have too much to drink with our friends? When we gossip and pass along information that's not ours to share? 
When we expose children to shows that are completely inappropriate for their age and developmental stage, friends, earlier this week, my nine-year-old came home and said, Mom, I want to watch Stranger Things, because my eight-year-old friend on the bus said it was awesome. And you might disagree with me, hopefully, <laughs> but if not, I think it's completely inappropriate for a nine-year-old to be watching Stranger Things. No, he cannot watch Stranger Things. The things we expose to ourselves and others matters. Back to Mark 10. Jesus was angry that the disciples once again miss what matters most in the kingdom he brings. That just a few days later, they were still contending for the important folks choosing the adults over the kids, not wanting Jesus to be interrupted by the sometimes annoying lowest of the low. In response to them getting in the way of accessing them, Jesus raised his voice and said these words in Mark 10. I'm gonna read verses 14 and 15 again. And remember, he was angry, so it probably sounded more like, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus is advocating on behalf of the ones the kingdom of God belongs to. So if the kingdom of God belongs to those of us that are like a little child, what does it look like to receive the kingdom like a child? Jesus explains to his friends that the ones they were trying to keep away from him, the ones they thought didn't deserve this opportunity, the ones they thought were too bothersome to let come close, they are the example we need to follow. What can we learn from kids? What does it mean to be like a child. Kids are great at receiving. Have you ever watched a child get a gift? Just a few days ago on the last day of school, my husband and I got our boys each a book, partially because it was the last day of school, partially, let's be honest, to encourage them to keep reading because it is summer break after all. And you would have thought we bought our oldest a house or something by the way he responded. His mouth dropped open, his eyes lit up, he screeched with delight, he yelled thank you, and he threw his arms around me. Kids are amazing at receiving gifts. How do we receive God's gifts in our lives? Kids don't even consider what they've done to receive a gift. They simply trust that the one giving the gift wants to give it. And if you've ever had the pleasure of giving a gift to a child, you've seen, like I got to see with my son, that their reaction is an incredible gift to you as the giver. Do we trust God's promises in our lives? Kids teach us how to trust. When you tell a child you're going to do something, they trust it'll happen. You have to be careful what you tell a kid because they'll remember. And if we don't keep our word, 
Kids are quick to remind us. What kind of friends are we? Kids teach us how to be great friends. Sometimes, kids just play with other kids. They don't even ask their name. The biases we grown-ups have are just so different from kids. Sometimes kids are like, hey, you want to play hide-and-go-seek? Awesome. Let's be friends. Let's do it. Kids are way more focused on what they have in common instead of what they don't. How do you view kids? Kids are incredibly intuitive. They can tell how you view them. They can tell whether an adult is going to overlook them or welcome them with open arms. They might not be able to articulate it, particularly when they're young, but in their gut, in their knower, they know. If we are not childlike towards God, kids will be beneath us and not worth our time. Identifying as not a kid's person means we are missing out on a key aspect of God's kingdom. We learn how to receive the kingdom of God like a child by spending time with children. And I'd like to share some stories of folks in our community who do just that. My friends, Max and Molly, don't have children of their own. Not only are they great friends to me and my husband, they are great friends to our kids. They take them out to dinner, to ice cream, to play soccer, and choose to spend time with them without my husband and I around. They choose to do this. I'll never forget Molly saying to me one time, your kids are our friends too. Our kids are their friends, not their friends' kids. My friend Anna started a ministry called Rooted Oaks International. This is a picture of them from a garage sale, and I actually want to celebrate this this morning. I just found out they've done two different garage sales in the past week. For Rooted Oaks International, they raised $5,000 at their garage sale, you guys. $5,000. So exciting. So Anna and her team invest in the mental, emotional, physical, relational, and spiritual health in children in Rwanda. A team from our church are heading to Rwanda in just a few weeks to train and encourage children and caregivers there. Lori Thrun teaches in our kids' ministry every Sunday at the 11 o'clock service. Lori faithfully and consistently shows up week after week to teach and pray for kids and then spends her full-time job caring for the mental well-being of kids and assisting families in crisis. God called Megan and Dane to become foster parents. That unexpected roller coaster of a journey led, to, led them to adopt two young boys and their family. And the smaller picture here is actually Dane just a couple days ago. He just got back from being deployed overseas. So I want to say a specific welcome home to Dane and those in the 148th that are just getting home this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to end with a story about my dear friend, Mark. When I began 
my job working with kids at the Duluth Vineyard, I inherited Mark as a volunteer. Every weekend, Mark would hang out with young kids who struggled in the classroom, who needed comfort, kids who were overwhelmed or dealing with separation anxiety. We'd find Mark sitting in an overstuffed chair with a little on each side of him. And sometimes I'd find him sitting in that same chair with his eyes closed, kind of leaning back with a kid. And on initial look, you'd think, oh boy, he's fallen asleep. But friends, more often than not, he was praying for the child he was soothing. If you notice my emotion, that's because Mark unexpectedly passed away just a few months ago. To honor his memory and legacy, after we pray over our services every Sunday, our Vineyard Kids team put our hands in together and yell, for Mark, as we head out to start our morning. Because Mark got it. Mark saw kids. There was nothing magical about him. He showed up because there was a need and allowed God to work in his heart to be transformed, to see kids in a way I believe he and all of us can't see on our own. Jesus sees kids. Jesus sees us. He's a safe place for all of us. He wants us to receive his free gift of grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness the way kids do. He really cares about kids and he cares about those of us who get in the way of them experiencing the kingdom of God. Friends, imagine if we as a church really saw the least of these. Imagine if we chased after them and invested our time, energy, and resources into them. What if our church was known for our love and safety and advocacy of children, of having a messy front lawn because we care way more about humans than landscaping? This passage ends with Jesus taking the children into his arms, placing his hands on them and blessing them. Jesus holds these kids and pauses his super important talk to spend time with them, to spend time with the last. I have no idea how long he paused before he went to talk about other things, but I like to think he really took his time here. How might God be inviting you to pause your own life to notice a child around you, to spend time with someone who couldn't possibly offer you any kind of recognition or status or cultural greatness. This I can promise you if you choose to engage with children. You'll have an audience with the one who matters most. You'll find an incredible invitation to maybe stop taking yourself so seriously. You'll have an invitation to experience God's delight. And you maybe will even be invited to play in the dirt for a little bit too. So as we end, I wanna ask you guys to stand and join me. We're gonna transition into some ministry time. And this is really just an opportunity for us to respond, for us to pay attention to what might be happening internally, 
And maybe see if there's something God's inviting us to consider this morning. So I invite you maybe to even close your eyes. We do this in Vineyard Kids all the time. We close our eyes when we pray, not to like do anything spiritual, but just like to make it so we can pay more attention to what's going on inside of us. So if that's helpful for you, maybe close your eyes. And many times you might see we put our hands out like this, which again, as we were just talking about, kids are great at receiving. Sometimes we have a harder time with that. And I think for us this morning, there are some of us that God really wants to talk to you about this posture of receiving. Some of us maybe even spend our lives self-protecting. I think God might want to invite us into something a little bit different. There are things that we have in our lives. What's in your life that you're holding really closely to your chest that you're afraid if you actually take that to God, that that means something's going to have to change? If God might be talking to you about that, we'd love to invite you up to receive some prayer. Maybe you're afraid to really address with God what's going on internally because you're not sure what you're going to find there. You're already disappointed enough in yourself. You don't need someone else to tell you how terrible and messed up you are. I really believe that's not God's heart for us this morning. And if you're in that place where you tend to think really negative things about yourself, I really want to invite you forward to receive some prayer. And... For some of us, we absolutely have excuses that are getting in the way from fully experiencing God's kingdom. Maybe it is in terms of interacting with kids. Maybe there is something else going on or some other thing that we're pushing aside. But what might God be asking you to trust him with today? And also, I know we're heading into summer vacation. School just got out this week for those that are in high school and under. Parents, I know many of you are exhausted. We talk about this incredible work with kids, but if we're really honest, it is really hard at times, and we need help. And so I think there are some parents here that you're like, yeah, I, I am so exhausted and I need some help. And alongside that, I think there are some of us here where God is saying, I'm asking you to help. I'm asking you to help those exhausted parents. Friends, we always have an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in our lives, even if our answer is, I don't know we still have an opportunity. I'd like to invite those of you on the prayer ministry team forward. If there's something rumbling in you this morning, maybe it's even something you can't totally put your finger on, but just something internally is going on, that probably means the Holy Spirit is highlighting something in your life that he wants to do today. So I'm gonna pray for us as we head into ministry time. Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray for courage for each one of us to look at ourselves internally 
and see what you might be up to this morning. Show us how to approach ourselves in a posture of curiosity so that we're not judging, but in a way that gives us the courage to really respond to what you want to do in our hearts this morning. Put us in touch with how we're trying so desperately to stay in control. Put us in touch with what you might be inviting us to hand to you. Put us in touch with our incredible exhaustion and need for help. God, would you do some incredible work in each one of us this morning? So if any of those things resonated with you, if you feel like God's up to something, head up front. We have some folks who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, thank you so much for joining me this morning.